The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. Coming up this hour. Oil surges after EU leaders agree to pursue a partial ban on Russian crude. The oil gain and hawkish comments from the Fed have Treasury yields on the rise. And President Biden holds a rare meeting with Fed Chair Jay Powell at the Oval Office today. People in Uvalde, Texas, prepare to bury the dead from last week's shootings. Plus, the Diocese of Brooklyn calls it a brazen crime of disrespect and hate. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Rangers beat the Hurricanes in Game 7. They're moving on to the East Finals. Easy win for the Mets. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are little change. Dow futures down 42, and NASDAQ futures up about 30, and the DAX in Germany is down about a third of a percent. The 10-year Treasury is down 24.30 seconds, yield 2.82 percent, and the yield on the two-year, 2.54 percent. The euro is at 1.0728 against the dollar. The yen, 127.93. Bitcoin at $31,600. Nathan. Hey, Karen. Oil is on the rise this morning. Watching NYMEX crude, it's up 3.3% to $118.87 a barrel. Brent is higher by 1.5% at $123.53. The gains come after European Union leaders agreed to seek a ban on imports of most Russian oil. Let's get the details live from Bloomberg's Ewan Potts joining us from our London Bureau. Ewan, good morning. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Finally, a deal on Russian oil. European Union leaders agree sanctions blocking the purchase of crude oil and petroleum products from Russia delivered by sea. But there is a temporary exemption for pipeline deliveries to satisfy Hungary, which have been holding up discussions. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen welcomed the agreement. The Council should now be able to finalise a ban on almost 90% of all Russian oil imports by the end of the year. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen made the comments at a briefing in Brussels. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Well, back here in the U.S., the fallout from last week's school shooting continues to reverberate across the country. There's another push for legislation on guns, but President Biden says he is limited on what he can do. He traveled to Uvalde, Texas, for an emotional visit this weekend. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 991 newsroom in Washington. 
I can't outlaw a weapon. I can't change a background check. President Biden explaining that there is only so much he can do to stop mass shootings in the U.S. Biden and First Lady Jill Biden visited the Texas Elementary School where a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers. That shooting has increased demands on Congress to do something about gun regulation and talks in the Senate now center on red flag laws. They allow police or family members to ask a court to temporarily remove the right to own firearms from someone who may be at risk. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Amy, thank you. On Wall Street today, inflation continues to be a major focus for markets. Treasury yields are climbing as the Federal Reserve shows no sign of slowing its hawkish stance. Fed Governor Christopher Walther says he wants to keep raising interest rates in half percentage point steps until inflation is under control. I support tightening policy by another 50 basis points for several meetings. In particular, I am not taking 50 basis points, 50 basis point hikes off the table until I see inflation coming down closer to our 2% target. Fed Governor Christopher Waller spoke at an event hosted by the Institute for Monetary and Financial Stability. Well, inflation will be a key topic of discussion when President Biden holds a rare meeting today with the chair of the Federal Reserve. And we get more from Bloomberg's Doug Krisner. It'll be the first meeting between the two since November when the president nominated Jay Powell for a second four-year term. In the intervening period, soaring inflation has become a crippling problem. In an opinion piece published late Monday in the Wall Street Journal, the president said he would support the Fed in its effort to combat high inflation by reducing demand. The president said the fight was likely to slow the rate of job growth from a monthly pace of 500,000 jobs to around 150,000. In New York, I'm Doug Krisner, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Doug, thank you. The labor market will also be front and center this week when we get the May jobs report on Friday. Let's get a preview of that from Bloomberg's Vinny Del Judice. Economists say payroll growth probably exceeded 300,000 in May. So far this year, the economy has added more than 2 million jobs. With labor shortages at record levels, a slowdown could imply a shortage of qualified workers rather than sudden weakness. Job cuts have been running at half-century lows. Also on this week's U.S. data calendar, ISM factory data, the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index, and the Federal Reserve's Beige Book Economic Survey. Vinny Dow, Judice Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Vinny, thank you. We're also getting key inflation data out of Europe. The numbers crossed just a few minutes ago, showing Eurozone inflation accelerated to a fresh all-time high. Consumer prices jumped 8.1% from a year earlier in May, exceeding the 7.8% median estimate in a Bloomberg survey. The acceleration was driven by food and energy after Russia's invasion of Ukraine sent commodity prices soaring. Back here in the U.S., Karen, stocks are coming off their first winning week in nearly a month as we return to this holiday a shortened trading week. We get more on the days ahead from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. Analysts remain split on whether equities have found a bottom amid ongoing questions about the strength of corporate earnings. Alicia Levine is head of equities and capital markets advisory at Bank of New York Mellon. Margins are going to come down, and what the market's really been grappling with the last couple of weeks is the E on the PE, the earnings component. And it's likely that earnings have to soften from here. Among the names scheduled to report this week, Broadcom, CrowdStrike, Hormel Foods, HP Inc., Lululemon, and Salesforce.com. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Well, overseas this morning, shares of Unilever are up more than 6%. Activist investor Nelson Peltz has been appointed as a non-executive director on the company, and his try-in fund management has taken a 1.5% stake in Unilever. All right, looking ahead to the market open, Karen, futures are... Uh 
little change mostly. S&P futures down 8 points. Dow futures down 75. NASDAQ futures a little change. They're higher by 9 points. The 10-year Treasury yield 2.82%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 74 degrees in Central Park already and already dealing with an accident. Northbound Connecticut Turnpike on the uh, exit 13 off-ramp. We'll get the details for you in traffic shortly. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Police say someone busted into the altar at a New York City church, stole a $2 million gold relic, and removed the head of a statue of an angel. The incident happened between Thursday and Saturday at St. Augustine's Roman Catholic Church in Brooklyn's Park Slope neighborhood. The church was closed for construction at the time. The church's pastor said the camera recordings from the security system were also stolen. The Diocese of Brooklyn called it a brazen crime of disrespect and hate. New York Governor Kathy Hochul delivered comments yesterday at the commemoration of the 20th anniversary of the formal end of recovery operations at Ground Zero. Hochul referred to those who, quote, showed up unprompted to help. The common denominator for most is they were New Yorkers because it's in our DNA. When we get knocked down, we fight back and we come back. And we must never, ever forget that lesson. That is the story of this hallowed ground. Governor Hochul also says we're going to come back after this pandemic because we showed we did it 20 years ago. Funerals take place this week for the 19 children and two teachers killed last week in Uvalde, Texas. The town's mayor, Don McLaughlin, says the site of the shooting, Robb Elementary School, should be torn down. McLaughlin says, though, people in the community will get through it. That's one of the things I love about Uvalde. This community will come together, and we will come together on this. I mean, this is something that we will never get over, but we'll get through it. Mayor McLaughlin says he supports the construction of a mental health hospital in Uvalde, and that would serve dozens of nearby counties and possibly prevent future massacres. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced an effort to ban handguns. Canada already has an assault weapons ban. In a news conference in Ottawa, Trudeau said the legislation would prohibit the purchase, sale, transfer, or import of handguns across Canada. We have seen far too many tragedies across this country, far too many uh, incidents of gun violence, particularly with handguns in our streets, in our communities, devastating families, devastating communities. Trudeau also announced mandatory buybacks for assault weapons. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. It's a good morning to be a New York Rangers fan. What a postseason they are having. It's hardly over, but already five wins now when faced with elimination. Two Game 7 victories, two Series 1, both when they never led the series until Game 7. In Raleigh last night, a Hurricanes penalty and a Ranger lead. Ten seconds to go in the Rangers' power play. Rangers move back in. Cop right side feed. Lafreniere back past the Fox. Goes in. Shoots it. Scores! Adam Fox! It's a power play goal! 
Rangers lead one to nothing. Shane Rosen on WEPN later in the first. Another power play goal. A Chris Kreider deflection. Kreider scored again in the third. Rangers beat the Hurricanes six to two. Carolina had been seven and zero at home in the postseason. Rangers now coming home. Game one of the East final with two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay tomorrow at the Garden. City Field, Washington scored three runs first. Hitting the Mets scored the next 12. All 12 scored over the first four innings. Mets beat the Nats 13-5. to Starling Marte, Nick Plummer, both of home runs for RBI. Detroit Tigers called up infielder Cody Clemens. Roger's son expected to make his Major League debut tonight. A couple of fourth-round upsets at the French Open. The second and fourth seeds were ousted. Daniil Medvedev eaten by Marin Cilic. Straight sets. And Medvedev, as of now, not allowed to play Wimbledon, who has banned all Russians. Stefano Tsitsipas also lost. Big match today. Quarterfinals. Rafael Nadal versus Novak Djokovic. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports, Nathan. All right, John, thank you. Futures turning lower at the moment. Right now, S&P futures are down 13 points. Dow futures down 112. NASDAQ futures are 12 points. Ten-year Treasury yield. Almost 2.83%. Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity RBC, joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg Daybreak brought to you by PPAC Private Wealth Management. PPAC Private Wealth Management knows that a portfolio is more than a collection of assets. It's a path to your future. Visit ppacprivate.com and begin your financial legacy today. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are slipping. Treasuries selling off across the curve as oil jumps, adding to worries about how aggressive central banks will need to be to rein in inflation without derailing growth. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 15 points. Dow futures down 115. NASDAQ futures down 23. The DAX in Germany is down half percent. The 10-year Treasury down 24.30 seconds. Yield 2.82 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.54 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up three and a quarter percent of three dollars seventy three cents at one hundred eighteen dollars eighty one cents a barrel. COMEX gold is down a tenth of a percent on a dollar eighty at eighteen fifty five fifty an ounce. The euro one point oh seven three three against the dollar. British pound one point two six one four and the yen one twenty seven point nine five. Bitcoin this morning higher up nine tenths percent at thirty one thousand five hundred forty dollars. That's a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Karen, today will mark one week when 19 children and two teachers were gunned down at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. The first of 21 final farewells now beginning in Uvalde. The WHO's top monkeypox expert is skeptical the virus will become a global pandemic. WHO's Dr. Rosemond Lewis says anyone can be at potential risk. However, that is that they're not exactly sure how it's been spreading. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers are headed to the Eastern Finals after beating the Hurricanes in Game 7-6-2. In baseball, the Mets beat the Nationals 13-5. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 10-zip. The Giants won. The A's lost. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak as we get ready to 
kick off a holiday shortened trading week and a brand new month. We're very pleased to be joined this morning by Lori Calvacina, head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Uh, Lori, welcome back. Good to have you back with us as we start off this week with losses for futures at the moment. What does that tell you about last week's rally coming after all those weeks of losses? Hi. Well, thanks for having me, as always. Look, I'm not reading too much into the futures action this morning. It does look like the NASDAQ uh, 100 futures are actually up a little bit, even though the S&P is down. And I do think the important thing is the rally that we saw last week being so strong and so decisive. Um, You know, we had been talking about the drawdown that we've been seeing since January as within the framework of a growth scare. And we've seen a number of those since the financial crisis, which have totaled 14 to 20 percent. And we had told people if we sort of broke out of that growth scare range, the market would be telling us it was anticipating a recession. Well, it held it right at about 18.7 percent to the downside uh, before rebounding. So I think, you know, that, that price action we got last week was extraordinarily important and really told us that the market is not ready to price in a recession yet. Well, we did get a note this morning from uh, Mike Wilson over at Morgan Stanley. Obviously, he's pretty bearish uh, generally, but uh, his argument is that the relief rally has limited scope with risks to growth still out there. Is he wrong? So our economists don't think that we're necessarily going to have a recession. They've lowered their GDP forecast down to trend-like numbers. And if you look across the street, I would say, you know, the, the forecast that you just mentioned is an outlier. I think that the uh, the people who are calling for recession, who are calling for more dire times, they're getting a, a pretty disproportionate share um, of, uh, you know, sort of the mind share out there right now. And the voices are pretty loud. But if you actually look at the Bloomberg survey in terms of where consensus expectations are for this year, I think the last number I think I checked this on Friday. It was about 2.7% GDP for this year and about 1.9% for next year. So what we're seeing generally, uh, the economics community around the street is calling for a return to trend-like growth and hasn't made that recession call. And that is what stocks are pivoting on as opposed to any one voice out there. Do you think that growth is going to be driven by whatever the Fed does uh, in terms of interest rate hikes going forward here? I mean, we just heard from... uh, Governor Waller saying he's at least in favor of uh, keeping half percentage point increases going until inflation gets to target. I I think one of the things that really powered stocks last week was a shift in tone from the Fed and really just this idea um, that they will be flexible later on in the year and that that was one of the reasons why they wanted to bring sort of these big chunky hikes forward so far early into this year. And I think the market really took some reassurance off of that. One of the things that we've seen from talking to investors and talk and looking at our survey work, frankly, is that uh, there has been a real con- – those who have been afraid that the Fed was going to choke off growth have outnumbered those who felt like they weren't going to do a good job of fighting inflation. And so I think what we got last week were a couple of comments that said that the Fed does continue to care about growth. And I think at the end of the day, this labor market is so incredibly tight and so incredibly strong you know, I think it's very difficult to, to see how a recession emerges in the context of all that. And I think that's something that markets are continuing to digest as well. It's just the strength of that labor backdrop. So where do you see the momentum for markets as we get ready to head into the month of June here? What's the trajectory for you? So, look, we never try to make any calls, you know, just sort of on a one-month uh, one basis, on a very short-term basis. But we do think that this market is in the process 
of pivoting back towards the growth trade and really looking for uh, areas that will do well in a slowing growth environment, which traditionally ends up being growth stocks. Um, I do think you need 10-year yields to cooperate before you can really see um, that that shift are really cement. Um, but we do think that in particular the defensive trade, if you look at things like staples, healthcare, utilities, that defensive bucket of the market is as expensive as we tend to see it get relative to secular growth areas like consumer discretionary communication services or technology. And so I think at a minimum, I think the market is sort of exhausting this fascination with defensive sectors, and I think you can look for a pivot away from those. As always, great to get your thoughts, Lori. Thanks again for being with us. Lori Calvacina is head of U.S. Equity Strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Looking at the futures ahead of the uh, Final open the month of May. Futures are moving a touch lower. Right now, S&P futures are down 18 points. Dow futures down 135. NASDAQ futures down 30 points. Uh, the 10-year Treasury is down 23, 30 seconds now, with the yield 2.82%. Yield on the two-year, 254 NYMEX crude continues its surge up 3.2% or $3.65 at $118.72 a barrel on word from the European Union that an agreement has been reached for a partial ban on Russian oil. More to come. Stay with us. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Hot today, low 90s. We'll be in the low 70s again tomorrow with a chance for a shower. Showers and thunder showers possible late Thursday with a high near 80 degrees. Right now, 74. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 99.1. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with oil, which is on the rise this morning. It is up 3.2 percent. The gain comes after European Union leaders agreed to seek a ban on imports of most Russian oil. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo has the latest from Brussels. When you look at the actual content, the Europeans say that on the best case scenario, if this deal is fully applied, by the end of the year, 90% of Russian oil exports coming into the European Union will essentially be shut off. Bloomberg's Maria Tadeo says EU leaders offered Hungary a guarantee that it will receive replacement supplies if pipelines were disrupted. Hungary had been blocking an embargo and will continue receiving Russian oil via pipeline. Uh, in response to that jump in oil, Karen, stocks in Asia fluctuated and treasuries sold off across the curve. Here in the U.S., Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Waller says he wants to keep raising interest rates in half percentage point steps until inflation is under control. He also believes reducing the Fed balance sheet could curb inflation. Although estimates are highly uncertain, using a variety of mobs and assumptions, the overall, the overall reduction in the balance sheet is estimated to be equivalent to a couple of 25 basis point rate hikes. 
Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Waller cautioned those estimates were uncertain. He spoke at an event hosted by the Institute for Monetary and Financial Stability. Well, this morning, Karen, Eurozone inflation accelerated to a fresh all-time high. Consumer prices jumped 8.1% from a year earlier in May. That exceeded the 7.8% median estimate in a Bloomberg survey. Well, inflation will be a key topic of discussion when President Biden holds a rare meeting today with the chair of the Federal Reserve. Fresh off a visit to Uvalde, Texas, where a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers last week, the president said there are limits what he can do when it comes to gun regulation. I can't outlaw a weapon. I can't, you know, change the background check. I can't do that. President Biden made the comments over Memorial Day weekend as he renewed calls for Congress to crack down on gun violence. And turning to markets, Karen, Wall Street snapped a seven-week losing streak last week, but Morgan Stanley Chief Investment Officer Michael Wilson says the relief may be short-lived. Wilson wrote in a recent note that uh, last week will prove to be another bear market rally, and he believes with growth slowing, earnings estimates are too high. All right, Nathan, futures lower this morning with S&P futures down 16 points, Dow futures down 122, and NASDAQ futures down 11. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. All righty, Karen, thanks. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 74 degrees in Central Park. Still dealing with an accident on the uh, northbound Connecticut Turnpike. The exit 13 off-ramp is closed. More coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A brazen theft desecrated a New York City church. An irreplaceable part of an altar was stolen from a Brooklyn church. Police say someone broke into St. Augustine's Roman Catholic Church and apparently used a power saw to steal the 18-karat gold tabernacle. Marble angel statues flanking the tabernacle were decapitated and destroyed. Recordings from the church's security system were stolen. The Diocese of Brooklyn called it a brazen crime of disrespect and hate. The residents of Uvalde, Texas, will bury their dead this week. Last week, a gunman killed 19 children and two teachers, victims of a shooting rampage at the Robb Elementary School. Unimaginable grief is gripping the small town. The town's mayor, Don McLaughlin, says the school building should be raised. It needs to be torn down. I would never ask, expect a child to have to ever walk in those doors ever and ever again. The building needs to be gone. Mayor McLaughlin says, though, the community is strong and they will get through it. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced an effort to ban handguns across the country. The legislation, if passed, prohibits the purchase, sale, transfer, and import of handguns in all provinces. Canada already has an assault weapons ban. Speaking in Ottawa, Trudeau also announced mandatory buybacks for assault weapons. In the situations where someone chooses to keep that weapon, it needs to be permanently and irrevocably disabled by the government or by experts to make sure that it could never again be used as a firearm. Prime Minister Trudeau says those involved in domestic violence or stalking would lose their guns. It's now tropical storm uh, after Hurricane Agatha made landfall in Mexico in what's expected to be the strongest May storm to hit the eastern Pacific on a record. Agatha was already raking the Pacific coastline with damaging gusts and heavy rain. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Michael, thank you. 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshaw. Thanks, Nathan. The Rangers have certainly not made things easy on themselves. Round one with Pittsburgh down three games to one. They won three in a row, including game seven in overtime. Round two with Carolina down two games to none, and then three two. But another game seven win, and this one was easier. Adam Fox scored a power play goal, and later in the first, another man advantage. Comes up the boards to Panarin. Outside of five, outside of in front score! Chris Kreider on a deflection of the Mika Zibanejad shot pass. Chris Kreider, it's a power play goal. Emrose with WEPN. Kreider would score again. Ryan Stone, Filipino, Andrew Kopp, all scores. Zibanejad had three assists. Igor Shesterkin rock solid again in goal. And the Rangers beat the Hurricanes 6-2, to two, and they will play Tampa Bay in the East Final Game 1 tomorrow at the Garden. The Mets in their history have never had this big a division lead in the month of May. They beat the Nationals at City Field 13-5. to Pete Alonzo homered, so did Starling Marte and Nick Plummer. The hero on Sunday drove in four more. The Mets are ahead by nine and a half games in the NL East. Yankees had their first day off in three weeks. They'll host the X-Men Noah Syndergaard in the Angels tonight. Stadium, French Open, fourth round, Daniel Medvedev and Stefano Tsitsipas. The two and four seeds both lost. American Jess Peluga is in the women's quarterfinals. Marquee match today. It's Rafael Nadal versus Novak Djokovic. John Stashella, Bloomberg Sports. Big one. Thank you, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. Ridership in the New York City subways fell last week. New York City's MTA says 12.4 million people entered the subway. That's down 1.8% from the previous week. While ridership is almost 10% higher than the average for the past year, it's still down 57% from 2019 before COVID hit. New York Governor Kathy Hochul is widening her lead in donations. The New York Times is reporting Hochul pulled in more than $10 million from mid-January to late May. The paper says that outpaced Democratic competitor Representative Thomas Swazi by about a three-to-one margin. The Times says Hochul received millions from lobbyists, wealthy New Yorkers, and special interest groups. And Consumer Reports is coming to Manhattan. The New York Post is reporting the product and services testing company has signed a two-year lease at the Durst Organization's 675 Third Avenue. The paper says it will be the first time Consumer Reports has ever held a Manhattan office. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Lisa Mateo. All right, Lisa, thank you. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potisk on KNX in Los Angeles. We're talking about shipping operators trying to add millions of new containers as they try to solve supply chain snarls. I'm Courtney Donahoe on WHAS in Louisville. Toyota's output took a hit last month on mounting supply chain issues. I'm Caroline Hick on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been speaking to the chairman of the energy firm Utilita, who says that half of the company's customers are having difficulty paying for electricity and that many are cutting back on their energy use. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on KYW in Philadelphia, I'll be reporting on inflation hitting your car insurance bill sooner than you think. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that Norwegian Air Shuttle has reached a deal with Boeing on an order for 50 737 MAX jets. Okay, those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. 
The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. The White House deserves credit for getting at least 13 other countries, including trade skeptic India, to join in launching the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework this month. Members of the pact represent more than 2.5 billion people and roughly 40 percent of global GDP. But the deal is hardly a rethink of what trade policy can be in the 21st century, as U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai put it. It would be wiser to view it more modestly as a small step forward for an administration that has so far all but ignored free trade. Ideally, it will be a prelude to the U.S. joining the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership, or CPTPP. If nothing else, the new framework is a sign that the administration recognizes the importance of trade in the region. But it's just a beginning. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Shipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPI and go. Futures are adding to their losses right now. We have S&P futures down 29 points. Dow futures down 232. NASDAQ futures lower by 50 points. Ten-year Treasury yield 2.81%. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. One more hot one today with a high near 95 degrees. We'll be back in the low 70s tomorrow with a chance for a shower. Got us some late-day thunder showers Thursday with a high near 80. Right now, 74 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are slipping. Treasury is selling off across the curve today as Eurozone inflation accelerates to a fresh all-time high, intensifying the debate at the European Central Bank about how rapidly to raise interest rates. We check markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 25 points this morning. Dow futures down 198. NASDAQ futures down 30. The DAX in Germany is down three quarters of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 22.30 seconds. Yield 2.81 percent. The yield on the two-year, 2.53 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up three and a third percent of $3.81 at $118.87 a barrel. COMEX gold down three-tenths percent or $5.50 at $18.51.80 an ounce. The euro, 1.0738 against the dollar. British pound, 1.2617. The yen, 127.87. And checking Bitcoin this morning, it is higher, up eight-tenths percent at $31,500. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. The first of 21 funerals begins this week in Uvalde, Texas. Texas officials say Uvalde Schools Police Chief Pete Arredondo wrongly believed that they were dealing with a barricaded subject, not an active shooter. Uvalde's mayor announced Arredondo's scheduled city council swearing-in ceremony is canceled for now as the city grieves. Amid the ongoing invasion of Ukraine, European Union leaders have agreed to ban 90% of Russian oil imports by the end of the year. In the NHL playoffs, the Rangers are heading to the Eastern Finals after beating the Hurricanes in Game 7, 6-2. In baseball, the Mets beat the Nationals 13-5. Ooh. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 10-zip. The Giants won and the A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air.
Mayor and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts, more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Missing the close games, are you, Michael? <laughs> All right, thank you. It's 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Let's turn now to what's happening in Washington. Congress is out, but the White House is not. And guns and inflation are going to be front and center today for President Biden as he confronts potentially his limitations on both those issues. Joe Matthew is with us from Washington this morning, our Washington correspondent, host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio. Joe, good morning. I can't help but think of the old Dirty Harry line. A man's got to know his limitations. And it seems like uh, that's what President Biden at least is admitting that he's dealing with, particularly when it comes to the issue of gun legislation. Yeah. You know, maybe if he squinted his eyes and talked like that, his oh. approval ratings <laughs> might go up a little bit. But yeah. you're right. Uh, look, Joe Biden doesn't have a lot of options right now. He needs to work with Congress uh, to make any real changes to gun laws. You might remember he did sign an executive order a few weeks ago. And at the time, this is before Buffalo, before Uvalde, people said, what's going on? Why is he even doing this? But it was to regulate so-called ghost guns which in retrospect looks like it was pretty well-timed. But as the president said himself over the weekend, he doesn't have the power to outlaw a weapon. He doesn't have the the power to change rules for background checks. So there's not a lot that he can do other than wait. Talks are underway, uh, kind of behind the scenes. Lawmakers are not in town right now, uh, Nathan, but they've been on the phone. They've been on Zoom, uh, led by Democrat Chris Murphy, Senator Murphy, along with Republican John Cornyn in the Senate. But it's he's from Texas. It's unclear what these might lead to. They appear to be focusing on possible red flag laws or a red flag law that could have national implications. Some states have done this uh, on their own already that would allow authorities basically to, to take guns away from people who are deemed a danger to themselves. John Cornyn said, by the way, that's no panacea. And creating the language for that could give uh, Second Amendment absolutists a lot of concern here. But there's a short window, Nathan. Uh, yeah. Chuck Schumer says if there's no compromise by the time lawmakers come back to Washington, he's moving forward with a Democrat bill on gun control. That would not pass. But once again, and you and I have seen this a few times over the last year, it's Schumer's opportunity to call everyone to the carpet, everyone votes up or down, and then, you know, your views will be public on this for the midterms. Uh, and that kind of puts people on the record, but right. it doesn't do much when it comes for or when it comes to momentum to actually get something passed, does it? I mean, what no. is the momentum to actually try to get action? On gun legislation, like I like I mentioned, there there does seem to be a, a possible uh, common ground here when it comes to red flag laws. Mitch McConnell signed off on these talks. He gave John Cornyn the green light to sit down with Chris Murphy. We know there are a lot of different combinations of lawmakers who are talking here. The leadership basically, Nathan, took their hands off the reins and said, "Look, I'm going to give you guys two weeks." And, and the White House is standing by for this as Schumer and McConnell watched their. Uh, respective uh, lawmakers, in this case, Cornyn and Murphy, try to hammer something out. I'm not sure there's a lot of optimism. I I, I couldn't possibly put a very positive spin on this, Nathan. But we're going to watch the clock tick for a minute. If nothing happens here, you'll see Democrats move forward. And again, that's going to be, to your point, putting people on the record, not necessarily making new laws. Uh, and I know you're going to be watching closely when the president uh, invites Fed Chair Jay Powell to the Oval Office yeah, for a it? rare sit down as uh, inflation 
continues to be a major issue for this president. Yeah, we clearly know what they're going to be discussing, right? Not not everyone, though, Nathan, is as plugged into the financial markets as the Bloomberg audience. I think you've got a mainstream news audience uh, in in the target here. Uh, and look no further than the front page of the Washington Post today. U.S. policymakers misjudged inflation threat. That's the story that they're trying to get around here. Their first meeting between Powell and, and Biden since they sat down together in November to talk about Powell's renomination. Uh, and the White House likes to remind us that the Fed is independent. That's why we don't see a lot of meetings in the Oval. You don't see the president tweeting uh, ideas on monetary policy like the former president here. Uh, but clearly, this president wants to talk about inflation, wants to be caught in the act. There'll be a pool spray, as they call it. Reporters will be allowed into the Oval for a couple of moments, take some pictures. You'll see the three of them on the couches. A couple of questions will be shouted. I would look for reporters today to be shouting questions about whether inflation has peaked. This, again, mainstream headlines. This is not about 50 versus 75 basis points likely today, Nathan. This is speaking to people uh, who don't normally obsess over this kind of stuff. Yeah, and it'll be interesting as well to see the president uh, sitting down face-to-face with Chairman Powell. Given that he said that, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to dealing with inflation, that it's pretty much in the Fed's court. That's yeah, right. so we know you'll be watching that very closely. Joe Biden or Joe Matthew, host of Sound On. No promotions for you, Joe. Host of Sound On here on Bloomberg Radio, and uh, we'll be checking back with Joe in the next hour here on Bloomberg Daybreak. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. It is 554 on Wall Street. Now to a legal story we're watching this morning. The U.S. Supreme Court broke with a long line of cases in favor of employers in arbitration cases, striking down a ruling in favor of a Taco Bell franchise and a fast food workers overtime case. The court held unanimously that a federal appeals court overstepped its authority in creating a rule that required the worker to show prejudice or harm to get out of arbitration. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to Richard Silberberg a partner with Dorsey and Whitney. Is it surprising that this was a unanimous decision because the court is often divided in arbitration cases? I don't think it was surprising because I actually think the ruling is fairly narrow. What the court held in an opinion that was written by Justice Kagan is that there is no requirement to show harm in order to establish that a party waived a contractual right to arbitrate. But it is not that surprising because what the lower federal courts had been doing was creating a special rule of contract interpretation that only applied to arbitration. And what the courts pointed out is that the lower federal courts generally had misapplied prior Supreme Court precedent So what the Supreme Court did in this case is it reminded the lower federal court that when it said there was a strong federal policy favoring arbitration, it did not mean that the lower federal court should adopt, and this is Justice Kagan's language, arbitration preferring procedural rules. In other words, the fact that there's a strong federal policy favoring arbitration does not mean that the court should adopt rules that favor arbitration litigation. To put it in layman's terms, were the circuit courts basically bending over backwards to facilitate arbitration, you know, to push arbitration forward? Yes, that's what the Supreme Court, in Justice Kagan's opinion, pointed out, that the lower federal courts had, in effect, bent over backwards 
to enforce an arbitration agreement by creating this requirement that in order to show a waiver of arbitration, the other side had to have been harmed or prejudiced by the delay in enforcing the arbitration right. And what Justice Kagan said is that uh, that should not have been permitted. There should have been no special requirement that the employee in this case needed to show in order to establish waiver. And that's Richard Silberberg, a partner at Dorsey and Whitney, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview, plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLawGo. S&P futures down 28 points this morning. Dow futures down 222. NASDAQ futures down 47. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.